It's the Opix Podcast, baby. Glad you tuned in. Got your host, thank me later, and you're stupid to win. Might become an obsession as soon as you begin. Start out king of the street, then lock it iconic in. Welcome to Offland. Grab your Opix, man. On your way in the door, hit you with four grand. Get to buying and gripping, then to selling and flipping. Over to moving and shocking. I'm screwed for ducking in Opix. Fellow Uplanders, to another episode of the Opix Podcast. I am your host, Too Stupid to Win, and as always, I'm joined by Thank Me Later. How are we doing this evening? Yo, I'm good. I mean, I don't know if I'm doing as good as Bill Cosby, but I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, Bill Cosby gets to go back to doing his favorite thing with pudding. Yeah. Putting his dick where it don't belong. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Cosby, getting off since the 70s. Still doing it today in the 2020s. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody expected that to episode You sure as hell didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, welcome to episode 80, not episode 69, where you would expect some kind of humor right out of the gate like that. Hmm. But yes, we're we're at episode eighty. Uh, we do have uh, YK twenty twelve as our guest tonight. He's created a nice little uh, tool to use out there to help uh, organize your sell sales and your port your real estate your virtual property portfolio. Uh, so we do have that interview tonight. Uh, don't forget to check out T Davis and B Dags. Let's build episode that dropped earlier this week. That's talking about the event going on right now. Um, and we can touch on that too. I was actually surprised as organized as little Italy Fresno is. There's a lot of challengers out there. So that will be. Oh yeah. Who's I, I've been trying to keep up. There's a lot going on. Um, I'm, I know I'm backing little Italy. Um, I've, I've put, uh, my stake there. Yeah. But. And I got recruited by a couple of them. And one of them was the ones that's, uh, leading the way right now. And I was actually, uh, I was surprised. Which is who? Um, the, I want to say it's the Oaks. Hold on. I'm trying to find the, wait, Mindex, is that you and your team? Mindex has been trying to recruit me, and I feel bad because I should probably have joined yeah. him. But oh yeah, mm-hmm. hell yeah, yeah. So the Oaks, you. the Oaks is leaving, leading the way, and then Tarpy, Mosswood, and then Little Italy's in fourth. Little Italy's in fourth. What the yeah. hell am I doing back in you guys? What the <laughs> hell? Damn it! I knew I should have listened to Mindex. Yeah, I mean, I, I was like, no, you know, it, it's T. Davis, it's B. Dag. They got Fresno Little Italy. They're they're the Little Italy crew. They have everything going <laughs> on. I'm like, yeah, I'll definitely hook up with you guys and run away with it. And it, it, it's going to be a battle for this 14 weeks. And I do find it. Hey, kind wait, of, did you say 14 weeks? I did, and it's 14 days. So. Oh Jesus! I was like, man, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Ain't nobody got time for that. No, ain't nobody got time for that. Um, but yeah, it will be an interesting fourteen days there. And some of the complaints is, oh, you're doing all this effort for for a little bit of spark because it's going to be divided against the winning team. You know, I want to jump into that a little later in the episode about sparks more of a rarity. So any little bit that you can accumulate is a bonus and it's more not about the spark, 
but it's rallying together as teams and developing these different neighborhoods, which is going to be pretty cool in the end. <coughs> yeah. Well, don't hit the bong so much there, Kalen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now the entire podcast has COVID. Thanks, Kalen. <laughs> um, I got him. So yeah. So, I mean, I was definitely, did we talk about the spark sale? Last time was that up? No, that happened after our podcast. Man, oh man, five hundred dollars a spark, right? Uh, Four fifty, but yeah, Four fifty. Like, whoo! And it sold out because I mean, I was on the list for all three, and I did not get any. Uh, same here. It was just you had like I think one of them. I had forty eight hours to wait till it was my turn to buy. <laughs> I'm like, that's not happening. Yeah. Like, I'm not surprised, but also a little surprised and very happy. Like, they're setting the bar um, very high for the the value of Spark. I think that that bodes very well uh, for the future. I mean, I'm glad that they're doing, like, you know, small amounts. And, yeah, any small amount that you can accumulate, you gotta you got to essentially equate that to permanent increase in income. Like that's literally what that means to you um, because you will be able to sell it out. You'll be able to rent it to people. You'll be able to build your own stuff. Like it is crazy um, to, you know, think about the future potential value of the spark that you're accumulating now. Yeah. So it's, and I do like that it is not just thrown around Yeah thrown around very easily for everybody to acquire. Everybody has some form of spark. Well, okay. Everybody doesn't have some form of spark. Some people signed up a little late and missed out on it. But, so wait, so if a new player, and I should definitely know this, if a new player signs up today, do they get any spark? No. Wow. I like that. Like, I mean, I, I like the fact that, you know, it, it puts, a certain value on the players who have been around for a while. So I definitely like that. I was a little worried because of just, you know, multi-accounting. I mean, we've seen it in multiple other games where, you know, you give out, you know, some basic resources to start with. You can collapse an economy. But, um, yeah, that's that's super cool. I'm, I'll be interested, like, if they have another sale in a month or two, if they keep the price the same or increase the price or lower the price. I feel like they can't lower the price. They can't lower the price. They, they got to at least keep it the same or increase the price. And I was talking to, I forget who I was speaking with, and they were telling me that they signed up and they dropped enough money to move high enough up in the game. And then they were just like eight hours ahead of like a spark drop or, or something where they would have got some spark bonus. They were like eight hours late. Oh man. Yeah, that that's crazy. Dizzy asking if they've uh, said anything about P2P Spark sales. Not I, yet. I don't think so. And I would, I don't know. I feel like I would be a little surprised if they let people sell Spark. I feel like I like the idea that you can't sell Spark, that you can only like rent it. 
Yeah, I like the renting aspect, and you have to do certain tasks to earn it. And they've ultimately said that with Wastelands, whatever that may be, um, which I'm glad it's not Cleveland, uh, that you'll be able to mind it. <laughs> well, I was going to say it before it popped up in chat because it's always something like that. So, you know, I'll, I'll throw that out there. ahead, Get ahead of the game. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, that's going to be interesting with the wasteland. So you're going to have these properties. It will be interesting to see how they price it per up squared because they're talking about wasteland. So I think of, like, the deserts of Colorado, you know, uh, uh, just past the mountains where it's just a bunch of open arid land that you can mine spark in. Yeah. So, I mean, that's definitely going to be interesting how they manage that. Um, if you have to stake spark to mine spark, uh, so many questions. I mean, I'm sure that they, they have a lot um, going there, but I feel like that'll be a very interesting mechanic once it's released. Um so, and I mean, I'm very happy with the way that the Spark, um, you know, concept in the buildings have been going. I like the fact that if you really want a building done in a reasonable amount of time, you kind of have to, you know, come together as a community. I, I'm really glad that they launched that feature immediately with Spark. It's already, um, you know, I, I think bringing a lot of vibrance back to the community. We're seeing the neighborhood kind of uh, cheers coming up again, uh, which is nice to see even if it's a little nauseating the amount sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. And you hit it right on the head right there by saying they did the ability for you to stake the spark in other people's projects. Cause I think that would have really turned off all the players right there that, Hey, I'm building a simple house and it's going to take me 20 some days, 40 some days, 50 some days. Like, you got to have some sort of engagement and this is the way you get the engagement with still developing the neighborhoods. Now, the question that I am curious about is it's always talking about uh, a one unit. So does a one unit mean that only one player can reside in there? Yeah, I would assume so. I, I, I would assume that that's a fair, you have one unit to rent. Yes. But if you have like, you know, you got a couple of boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife teams out there, fiancés out there playing together, so they have to get their own places. Yes. Which could be healthy for their relationship. (laughs) No, I mean, again, like this isn't a, you know, it's not the, it's not the sins. Right. Like you're an individual explorer, you're an individual player. If you want two players at a single location, to be their home, then, I mean, that's interesting. I, I doubt that they'll get into the socioeconomics of like, well, you can pick a partner. And maybe that's what they meant by teams. Like, I don't know. That seems hokey. Like, yeah, each explorer needs its own home. If you want to live together, you have to get a two-unit place. Like, that's all there is to it. But if you look at it, some of the uh, some of the places you would think would be more than just one unit there i mean everything is you can go to your apartment building only has eight units and i know we're still Uh early in the early in the development and you have a luxury ranch house and the luxury modern house and they're only expected living units of one that's just kind of like really yeah well because again there's not i mean there are people that play with their significant others and 
family and and stuff, but like that's not the majority. I know. Like, so like I feel like that's a very niche market. Like, yeah, if it's a luxury house, like I want to rent the whole house, unless it's got like a, a pool house or some shit, and I let you live in there. Like, yeah, you're not living in my luxury house. It's my luxury house. Like, it's <laughs> now, if I'm cheap and I can only afford to live in, I don't know. A bibbing slumlord golf course, you know, place. Yeah, maybe I have to, you know, bunk up with a couple roommates. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to find, like, what's the compelling argument to rent? Like, is it just so that you can travel around the city for free? Like, I guess you can store things there. You can, I'm curious to see what like gaming features like having a place or renting a place will be and that brings up an interesting point you know you're talking about now storing stuff on your property if you're somebody that has 10 or less properties how do you approach your property development there do you develop all prop all 10 properties as houses looking to flip that do you you know and you got a couple of decent sized properties there that you could build something bigger than just a house on what do you do there yeah but i feel like if you have 10 properties how much spark you really got okay but <laughs> like, but, but we already not, just said it's about like the comp- a, not to sound like a jerk but like if you only got one spark you're probably not developing any of your properties but like, if you got the relationships with the community and you help chip in on other people they should come and help you out I mean, okay, you could do that, or you could just go rent your spark. <laughs> like, I would just go, hey, I have a spark for sale. You can have it all week for 10,000 UPEX. Um, like, or whatever. I don't even know what the rates are um, for for that. But, like, okay, how much, how much for this one spark? I'll stake it on whatever you want uh, for the next month or the next week or whatever, right? Like, how much is a spark hour? Oh damn! I was pretty close. Eight to ten upex, eight to ten thousand upex a week. Franklin says, "What do you think about that?" Jeez, old Pete. I, I think <laughs> that's kind of cheap. You think that's cheap? Ten bucks a week? That's just over a dollar a day. Okay, but uh, and it was what four fifty? Yeah. So, oh yeah, shit. Okay, yeah, that that checks out. Yeah, 10,000. Wow, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so yeah, like I would sell mine. <laughs> like shit, I'm thinking about selling mine now. I got I got, you know, nine spark for sale. Like, let's do this. I'll take an extra 90,000 a week. <laughs> right? Like yeah, but uh, I mean that—that's really your two options. Like, if I—if I only—if I was a new player and I had access to any amount of Spark, I would either—I would either sell it to other people or I would join a community that's doing community stuff, and I would contribute to other people's buildings in the hope that they would come and build one for me. Like, because I think that either one of those is going to pay you off more than just letting your Spark sit there and building a house for, you know, three months. Yeah. Oh, before we get too much farther into it, might as well jump into uh, the uh, disclaimer because we definitely got to read the disclaimer. 
The views, information, and opinions expressed on the Epic Podcast are solely those of myself. Thank me later and any guests of the podcast and do not necessarily represent, reflect those of Upland Me, Inc. We are not employed by or provided insider information from the Upland team. All discussions about properties to buy and sell or spark are not financial advice. Please do your own research first. And if either one of us offends you with uh, your home, state, country, city, or wherever, we do bash on everybody and we do fully apologize ahead of time. Yeah, true blue. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. We get it. But yes, we do. We do offend people each week and we do hear about it. So definitely have to get that out there. Yeah. For the record, if I offend you, feel free to tell me. I won't get offended. (laughs) So did you get up? uh, So this podcast is recorded on uh, July 1st, 2021. So if you get your EBT cards refilled, hey, it's the first of the month. You know, it's time to wake up and uh, celebrate, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I just, every first of the month now, I think of the Bone Thugs and Harmony song, first of the month, and it's all about getting your check. So it's good. It's time to celebrate. Hell yeah. So what'd you buy this week? Anything cool? Absolutely nothing. I'm still highly disappointed with this Cleveland rollout. So, you know, it's been a little over a week since they first launched Cleveland. And then I had an alarm set to wake up at 1 a.m. my time to go target some stuff. And I did reach out to a couple other players asking for other places I was interested in to, to kind of help along the cause. And I was very frustrated to see that they're only releasing one area, like two properties at a time that I'm highly speculating as an ultra rare. And it, it's just frustrating. And there was definitely high competition for it. And me, I'm just, just release the city, just release the city. You did your research and just go for it. You know, you're not going to oversaturate the market right now. Having Chicago and Cleveland open with everything not being sold out, it's cool. I mean, we had less than 3,000 players floating around San Francisco with 150,000 properties just basically there, you know. So you're not going to kill it. You're going to end Cleveland's 50% FSAs, Chicago's 25% FSA. So What's a big yeah, deal? But, Just but release all of Cleveland. You can't you can't equate those two things because here's the thing. San Francisco had all of the collections released and all the collections were sold out long before the the rest of the city sold out. And I mean the ultra rares and you know those big ones were sold out, you know, even way before that. So the risk of oversaturation isn't of base properties, but it's these highly valuable ultra rares and rares if you every city you release it gives like for me i'm not even looking to buy on the secondary market and i'll and i'll say up front i haven't done any research yet on secondary market of rares ultra rares um etc but i just go okay i like the the 2x plus multipliers for major investments so i have about five million up x right now and I definitely want to spend that on a 2X plus kind of property. And so I go, I'm not going to pay secondhand when I'll just wait for the next city, you know, rare, ultra rare. And so if you just keep releasing cities, then you're not going to give the ultra rare. I don't, I feel like you oversaturate that, that collection market, not the base market. 
But if you haven't rolled the collections out and know that they're out there and it's still speculative in vanilla mode, you're not oversaturating the market. You just have a lot of speculation mm, out there. I, and I guess, but like all the core, the thing, all the core sells out. Like you can't, it's like eating the best part of your meal. Like, okay. Like let's say you have, you know, steak and broccoli and you're like, yeah, well, of course you're going to eat all the steak left. And then there's a bunch of fucking broccoli, but you might get like one piece. You might be like, Oh, I, I had a piece of broccoli, but there's a hidden piece of steak. Like, yeah, that might happen. But for the most part, you've eaten all the good steak. Like that's already done with. And now you're like, do I finish my broccoli or just wait till my next meal? Congratulations. Like, 20 minutes before the first Franklin bomb. I know it slipped. I got very excited about the thought of steak and broccoli. <laughs> um, Keep going. But uh, yeah, I just, I, I think like that's the issue. And like the, even the base properties, like at least it was interesting. Cause you know, it's San Francisco. People were doing like the whole neighborhood thing. So like you had a set number of neighborhoods. It grew a culture in community of its own. Like, and it grew a lot over time. Like that was the thing is like San Francisco is very organic and was, has been around obviously the longest, but like it was the only city that was around without any other competition. Like you join now, like you can join what five core cities. No, sorry. A lot more than that. But the only thing that's really open for everybody's Cleveland and Chicago yeah, I mean, from a from a unminted market, sure. Uh, but, I mean, you can still get in, I guess, secondary market on any of the other stuff. But even that, like, it's still two things, Chicago and um, Cleveland. And it's just like, and you know that there's probably going to be more around the corner. Uh, they still need a tier three. My, my thinking is that they would like to have one of each available, like one tier one, one tier two, one tier three. Which I could align with. I mean, but look, we did crack 120,000 players on the 30-day average. Holy crap. Yeah. So the the demand is there. Yeah, but, I mean, again, don't you think, like, releasing... so you, so you have one, you got one tier one city, Chicago, you got one tier two city, Cleveland. I would expect one tier three... And I love that they're in vanilla mode. I just hate the way that Cleveland was rolled out. And I, it's it, you're jumping around. Just let it be so you can bounce from place to place. Maybe organize a couple of players that don't have interest in the city. Be like, hey, can you check these properties for me? You can work together as a team to acquire stuff here and, and continue to build. And you still have a tier one, tier two, tier three and it helps onboard these new players. It helps the veteran players still and benefits the people that do their research and speculate because it, it's not hard known that this street's that or this neighborhood that or this little sub block of a bigger neighborhood's going to be a collection. So I think that leaves a lot of fun and excitement and this piecing together of and if you watch and you're like, oh, you're only releasing two properties at a time in this little area. Okay. Yeah. That's going to be a primary collection. I mean, nobody saw the Hamilton collection coming over in uh, Manhattan. Nobody really saw the right collection coming over in Chicago. So the upland team does do these one-off ultra rares that even if you do your research, it's going to be something that catches you by surprise. Yeah. What? 
I feel like the other factor that's playing here, especially from like veteran player view, is FSA. Do you think that they would ever change the rules on the FSA to say tier one city, like remove the FSA blocker on tier one cities? And yeah, that's pretty much all I would do is just remove the tier one restriction. Like tier two can still be 50-50. Oh, and I guess you could make what if they made tier three cities a hundred percent FSA? What do you what would you feel about that? A hundred percent FSA. I mean, it, it it would just really depend on on how you onboard. You know, it, what kind of community is going to develop there? Because if you lock out the big players with the spark and the capital and all that, I mean, you're and you're still restricted at only being able to sell two FSA properties a week. And even if you lift that cap to say ten FSA properties a week, I mean, how much interest is really going to be be there in those tier three cities? Because tier three is like, hey, your little stepping stone. Let's learn upland. Let's make these cute little little neighborhoods, and then you want to dive into these tier one, tier two cities and go after these sought after properties. Yeah, but I mean, I still think that there's a niche for like the collections, right? Like, I think that there's a lot of value there. And keep in mind, like the base collection of needing to sell three properties. Like, if you're a collector like me, like I will always try and get as I my new goal is to have as many active uh, collections as possible. Um, so I try to keep anything that's like purple and below as uh, active. Uh, collections where I can. So, I mean, I could see there being a lot of value in like exclusive tier three, um, you know, cities or exclusive FSA, but then remove the restriction from tier. I don't know. But, I guess it's fine now. It's just, well, well, like, why I feel you- like I get cock blocked on like these FSA properties. Like I wanted to buy entire, like I want to buy a whole block of neighborhood. And I mean, I guess you, then you have to like coordinate with people, but I think it gives the wrong incentive about like creating. Well, the multi-account thing is never easy to deal with. I, no, but 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 why is it just purple and below that you're trying to create an active? I mean, you can't step up to orange, or you just don't want to overpay once <laughs> you hit orange. No, it's because people are asking ridiculous ass prices for this stuff. Like, I just go like I know what I paid for the collections I wanted in San Francisco. And I'm sorry, I'm not paying four and five X for collections in a tier two, tier three city. Like it's just not worth it to me. Like that's just me. So I go, I, if I'm going to buy the higher end properties, it's because I want the, the bonus. I want the, and I, you don't, it, it negates itself so hard. If you pay four X, for a property, you're never going to make the interest back on it. Like the whole point of buying, you know, 2X interest properties is that you can essentially recoup the cost of that in three and a half years, three and a half or so in interest alone. If you do nothing else, the interest on those properties will have essentially self-paid in three years or so, which you know, I'm an old fogey, so like slow and steady wins the race. I'm also a fucking turtle, so there's that. I, I was going to um, say you're a turtle too, so slow and steady, of course. And damn. yeah, slow and steady. I mean, that's that's my whole thing. Is like I'm going. I'm not the guy out there hustling to flip properties every day. There's some people that do it here, and they're awesome at it, and I'm I'm like impressed always. 
Uh, for me, that's not that's not my strat. Um, so I don't know. I just I think it's just going to be interesting how they continue to release and manage supply demand. I'm stoked that we're over a hundred thousand though. That was a big jump. Yeah, because we were just right around the ninety, and we blew right past a hundred thousand, almost to a hundred and twenty-five thousand. So that that is definitely pretty awesome. Um, and speaking of being able to list your properties and flip your properties, um, you know, we'll bring in uh, YK2012 to talk about uh, what he's developed. He's been a player since about April, so uh, we'll we'll bring him on right now and uh, see uh, see what he's got to say. And everybody will definitely need to check out what he's developed, and I think it's a fun little tool. All right, for this interview, we have YK2012 joining us. He is the creator of uh, two apps that he was able to put together in uh, quite timely fashion, and they're very useful and very resourceful links. So I'm um, very excited to have YK2012 on. How are we doing this evening? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate being here. Oh, yeah. it's We always like bringing new players and people that are contributing to the community because that's what keeps everybody in upland here is the community. So it's awesome that you're a relatively new player. You've developed some useful tools for the community. So we definitely want to get you out in front of the listeners to, uh, so they can check out the resources that you've provided and, and see if it helps them. Uh, so how did you discover upland? So uh, I listened to a podcast uh, by Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, and uh, I, by you nodding your head, you're familiar with him. Absolutely. So in one of his uh, posts, in one of in one of his posts or his team's posts, they posted an article about Upland, and uh, I said, uh, "Let's check it out." And I read about it, and uh, I, I joined, and now I'm here talking to you. So uh, it hooked me in. And that was what back in April. Uh, yeah, about April. I joined mid-April or beginning of April, I believe. So just about two, two and a half months now I've been playing. All right. So how's your virtual property empire growing? So it's growing. Um, one of the things that I'm uh, a little disappointed about was uh, my onboarding experience with the game where I didn't know about the referral code and I put a bunch of money down and uh, I missed out on the opportunity of really getting an, an additional 50% bonus on that. And uh, I made some initial mistakes with buying some uh, FSA properties that maybe I shouldn't have bought. So, so uh, aside from that, I've been growing. I've been able to uh, uh, flip a lot of properties. I've been able to get a couple of uh, properties that I'm definitely not letting go of. So I'm uh, very satisfied so far and I see myself uh, continuing to grow as well. So I, I like what the future holds. Now, do you have a main hub that you work out of, or are you, are you an East Coast, West Coast guy, or, or a Midwest guy, or are you just spread out across all the cities? I'm, I'm kind of, I got involved at the beginning of, uh, in the middle of Brooklyn, so I was able to pick up a lot of my FSA properties there, and I've just been going wherever the game takes me when they're saying we're opening up in a new city. Um, so far, I've been there, getting properties, flipping them, trying to grow my net worth and uh, uh, trying to get a couple of interesting things in each city, but uh, not super successful in a lot of them. But uh, in Chicago, I think I 
scored big with uh, the property that I was looking to get and I got it. So I'm uh, really happy with uh, the property that I got. If you're familiar with Chicago, right across the street from Wrigley Field, there are a number of uh, uh, houses that have bleachers on top of the roofs. Um, so I was able to snag myself one of those properties Very overlooking nice. uh, Wrigley Field. So that one's uh, definitely a keeper of mine. Um, so uh, so that was my strategy for for Chicago, and I was able to execute on that. Um, and aside from that, trying to just flip more properties and, and grow my worth. Very nice. Yeah. Um, there's got to be a partnership with Major League Baseball at some point in time where they'll turn all the stadiums into landmarks and have some cool things going. It, there's got to be something like that. So I was, I missed out. I really wanted to target stuff in Wrigleyville myself. And um, just, I missed both waves of Chicago and all the good stuff was gone. So that's, oh, man. that stunk, but nice snag there. That's an awesome property there. Uh, now, you've been talking about how you've been flipping properties. So, you know, kind of a virtual real estate mogul going on and that, did that drive you to uh, creating your applications that you've made? So the, one of the first properties that I got in Brooklyn, as I was figuring out how the game was, I saw the feature of taking a look at the actual Google street view. And when I opened it up, I randomly saw something that was, uh, you know, unique. It wasn't a real property per se, but it was the inside of uh, of, uh, of of a van, a luxury van of some sort. And I said, "Wow, this is pretty cool. I could probably get some good money for it." But I didn't have a way of actually listing it in a way uh, that people would be able to appreciate the asking price for it. Um, looking it up on on Upex World, which is now Up to Land, you know. You're just looking at numbers. And my property is something that has to be shown very visually. So I didn't really see uh, that there was a, a good enough space where I could list something visually and uh, people would, lots of eyes would be able to see it. So I started by creating an Instagram page. And then from there, I got the idea of, hey, let's make an, an app for this. Let's create a property listing uh, app where uh, people can come and see, look at it up by by uh, by prices or by neighborhoods or by cities or uh, many other search functionalities, as opposed to just seeing everything in a linear feed, whether it be in Instagram or in these discard Discord channels. Um, and from there, the idea just grew. Once I got the idea of the app, then there were other things that can be added to the app as well, and not just property listings, but uh, having something like your podcast and uh, everything that goes around that as a community listing so that people know how to find you guys. Or if someone has some sort of a business, um, even now before the businesses are available in game, people are still creating businesses outside the game that are related to the game. So their ability to be able to list themselves in this app as well um, is something that I wanted to uh, add as well as the game develops as well with cars and spark and who knows what's coming in the future but i really see my app as a space where uh everything related to the upland can be found at your fingertips in an easy to find uh directory that's very nice i do like that you have a user of the week and you have a pro and a visitor listed and it's very nice that you can uh, and you also have one for the pro director executive tab I do like the fact that you can look it up by city. You can look it up by neighborhood. It's it's 
pretty useful, and I do like that. And you have a, another app that uh, you launched this week on uh, Left's House show on Monday. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, after the, the success of uh, this Metaverse directory, the MBC list, um, I saw myself trying to assist a number of my friends in joining the game and really teaching them the, the initial ropes. Um, as I mentioned, my, on, my onboarding process wasn't great, so I wanted to really help my friends not make the same mistakes that I made. And my, uh, I, I found myself spending a lot more time than I wanted to explaining to my friends all the ins and outs. And I said, this is not sustainable for me. If I'm going to be helping more friends get on this game, it's, I'm not going to have time for anything else. So I created a user manual, um, which has the, a similar look and feel to it, uh, like the, the MBC list app, which, uh, I launched two weeks ago and I've gotten a lot of good feedback. Um, and, uh, now it's just a matter of helping to, to grow that app and reach as many ears and players as possible. So I appreciate you for, uh, having me on the show and hopefully, uh, growing, growing that app. But in terms of the user manual, um, I'm really trying to give a lot of people the, the tips and tricks that I didn't receive uh, when I joined the game and uh, really help people and have one directory uh, where all of this information is. I know there's a lot of other good information out there as well, uh, lots of good YouTube videos and, and uh, other websites. And I'm, I made something that's different. I don't know if it's better or worse, um, but I think it definitely does play to uh, maybe some specific sector of people that maybe don't necessarily learn best from YouTube videos or, or uh, just another opportunity to uh, see other information and content on uh, how to play the game and some strategy and a lot of, uh, you know, what does this button do? So a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's good. You got a fresh set of eyes and you're writing something as a, as a new player. And so much has changed when a lot of the articles were wrote last year, 18 months ago, you know, the, the game was totally different and the game has evolved um, over this time. So having somebody come in with a fresh set of eyes and having, we, we've all made those mistakes of the stupid purchases that we made when we first started going. I mean, FSA didn't exist when myself and thank me later started, um, you know, treasure hunts weren't even around, but you, you know, a fresh set of eyes gives you the ability to write it for the new players and the new, the new way that the game is being played. So it, it's always good to recreate because a lot of people trying to go back and revise it don't know the experiences that the new players are going through. Not just that, but going back and revising a, a YouTube video, if you're going to search, you know, how to play Upland on YouTube, you're going to get a lot of these videos which have a lot of views already, but it's, it was created like you said, over a year ago. So it's not so up to date and it's missing a lot of things and things have changed. So uh, my app is uh, very editable um, and I can change it as the game changes, as new features come out. As, uh, uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a living document, you can, you can say, which is a lot more easy to edit than you know, these YouTube videos and, and other content. So um, hopefully it will be re well received by uh, the existing community, but also people who are looking to join the game. Hopefully that that can be the go to place where they can get a lot of their information. Awesome. That's great. Looking forward to 
watching this app grow and definitely if you guys want a link check it out it will be in the description so go ahead click that link check out what yk 2012 is put together really appreciate you taking time to join us on the podcast uh excited to have you on and uh keep up the good work and if there's anything we can do to help you out just let us know thanks so much i think you just uh you're doing it you're helping me uh spread the (laughs) word and you know uh we're we're all helping each other out we're all in the same boat here it's in our best interest to uh get new people on and get more people involved in the game and uh I appreciate what you guys are doing for the community as well, and hopefully we can build some great stuff together. Awesome. Thank you so much, and we'll definitely uh, see you in Discord and see you in the game. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, uh, YK2012, for coming on, and uh, definitely everybody go check out uh, what he's developed. It is definitely a first stepping stone in property management and a way to manage a portfolio in a simplified manner. So pretty awesome and uh yeah so other things we were touching before we had the yk 2012 uh interview is you know we're talking about the spark the build and minting in new cities and it was brought up in the pre-show that somebody felt that they were low-balling offers of offering 1.5x on a new minted property in a new city because of what it would be worth in the future. And I don't think 1.5 X is a low ball on a new property minted. Uh, I mean, it depends on a lot of factors. Like if you offer me 1.5 X on a property that I have fairly certain is a collection, like a high level collection property. Yeah, no, that's a low ball. But if it's just like, Hey, this is, like for instance, for me, so if it was just a basic one property, so, you know, something that is important to me or a feature that's important to somebody, then, you know, okay, cool. Pay the 1.5 X. I think that that's a fair markup for a non-collection random property. Like again, it's obviously not a hundred percent random because there's a reason you want it, but I think that's fair. I pay probably more than that. Um, depending on, it really depends on price bracket. Like if you buy a property um, under 10,000 UPEX, that's the number one, one, and then something, uh, I will pay easily 10, 15 uh, X or like thousand for it. So like you could probably, you know, I know guys in Brooklyn were buying them for like two and 3,000 and I was paying five X all day for them um, because it's so cheap. But then somebody had like, um, it was, I don't even remember one Nolan or something. I, I don't remember the exact address, but it was like a collection property. And the base price was like 450,000. And I was just like, I'm not like, I'm not going to give you, you know, 800,000 for it. Maybe I would give you like 500, like you can have an extra like 20 or 30 K for selling it, which is still, I look at like how much UPEX, I'm doing a markup, not percentage, because I feel like that's just a bad way to look at it. Is like I will pay a wholesale markup of like five to seven thousand for a cheap property. And then, like, you know, I feel like if I give you a 50 or 60 thousand for a property that doesn't really mean anything to you, like that's a good profit. But because you do have some people just picking up properties, they don't do their research, but they know that they're just targeting larger size. You know, I want properties above 250 up square and they're just targeting stuff like that. 
But absolutely, I do agree, you know, on those properties that are like three, four, five thousand OPEX, no, no challenge paying 10K for it without like batting an eye, 10K, 15K for it. But, you know, once you get up to those higher things, you know, I'm not going to pay, you know, 700,000 for a $450,000 property or $400,000 property or OPEX property. Yeah. So it's all in perspective, but you know, if people are just minting, like take Cleveland, for example, it's that the properties are all over the place. So you're just trying to mint properties so you can jump and jump yourself in a different direction. So 1.5 X is not, you know, low balling, low balling would be just offering mint price or just under mint price or 5% over mint price. Now, I mean, that's insulting. Honestly, like, that's insulting. Well, also what's insulting is it, it's kind of like the last few days, I've got a lot of DMs looking to swap my iconic collections and my um, Dumbo collection. And they just like want to offer new mints in Chicago or Cleveland. Hey, I got uh, some uh, downtown Chicago or I got downtown Cleveland. And I'm like, uh No. You can't be looking for these these rare and these ultra-rare properties for these, you know, limited or exclusive collections. It's That's just insane. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, I'm probably a little jaded, too, because, like, I mean, I remember back, I mean, Financial District in San Francisco. Like, if you got 20%, I mean, now, granted, this is obviously before it sold out, but, like, you know, people would regularly sell for, you know, just slightly over um, it because it was so damn expensive. Um, now, obviously, you know, that's worth a lot more now. But I go, I just don't see paying that kind of markup for those properties. Because the thing is, you, in order for you to make money after you buy a property that's marked up like that, the only way for you to truly make money is to then resell it for a higher markup. You're never going to earn your money back on the interest. So, or you're just going to keep it forever and you feel like it's going to make you money some other way. But I feel like if anything on out, I'm even more stingy about the properties I buy because property development has made me realize you're not going to build a thousand houses. Like you're not doing that right now. Like you're not going to do that anytime soon. So you're going to probably build on a handful of properties that are going to be very important to you. Um, and then maybe you have like some charity projects out and around that, um, you're just building to flip or building to rent. Um, you know, you kind of have a schema there, but like, holy crap, I don't want to buy a bunch of crap properties anymore. Like, and I don't want to pay a bunch of money for, you know, properties I'm never going to develop on. Yeah. Especially if you're not going to develop on it and paying two, three, four, five, six X for a property. And it's, ends up missing in a collection or just being a a limited collection i I mean that that's a huge swing and a miss that definitely impacts your roi and and speaking of the roi with these collections how much longer do you think these collections will stay and the 17 percent interest will stay Mm, that's a value you know what we always forget at least sometimes i forget like that 17 percent interest is not a permanent fixture of the game. Um, I'm curious, and I think it will likely, 
I think if they're smart, what they'll do is they'll introduce the first like neighborhood collections and the interest reduction at the same time to kind of like offset it a little bit to say, Hey, overall we're bumping it down to 15% interest. However, um, now you can get um, the neighborhood collections so you can get higher multiples, uh, which again is why you want high value targets in in those areas um, to potentially get multiples. And I do want to call out because there was some misconception, I think, earlier that if a neighborhood already has a collection, um, you know, can you still have it as a neighborhood collection? And the answer is yes, you can. So, and it can ramp up. So essentially that neighborhood will always have a base collection value, which is pretty cool because that's essentially your guaranteed, um, you know, multiplier. However, if the neighborhood status rises above that of the original collection, uh, that neighborhood would get the collection multiple, uh, the neighborhood collection multiplier, which is super cool. So I think they'll probably announce those around the same time. That would be my guess. Um, but yeah, and they would be smart as as they move it down from seventeen percent. They just walk it back over a duration based off of metrics that they're seeing behind the scenes. Yeah, like I don't think they're going to like be like, okay, it's now five percent. Like they're not going to do that. Like they shouldn't. I hope. Like I think that it'll be a slow walk down um, over time. But and then. Who knows? As they drop the interest, do they start dropping the prizes in the treasure hunt as more thing, more activities are rolled out in the game? Because the treasure hunt was just to kind of entice people to like, okay, I minted a bunch of properties. Now what? Um, I think they've already nerfed. I mean, I could be wrong. I thought there was a bunch of complaints. I think they nerfed <laughs> treasure hunts actually already. Uh, but I haven't checked in a while. Like, what's the largest that's been run one in the last week? Like no idea. I I think it's been nerfed a little bit just because obviously now there's you know however many cities running in parallel, etc. I mean I know you know you have to kind of weigh everything. Um, like uh, what am I trying to say here? Like the the size of the the actual community pool and the amount of players playing versus prize winnings, etc. But uh, I think there were some complaints about the high the high winds and I think they nerfed that. Yeah. And it, it's still amazing with the amount of people that are still in the game and how infrequently riot mode is activated. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, what was the last time you treasure hunted? It's been a while. Yeah. Months. Like, I mean, I can't remember the last time I went for a genuine treasure hunt. And the thing is, it's because, my explorer is always in a new city. Like I don't see any reason to keep my explorer parked in San Francisco right now. Um, there's no activity, be- obviously treasure hunting, I guess, but like, and like the little events, but if I wanted to like hop on and mint some new properties, I can't do that in San Francisco. Um, any properties that I wanted to buy in San Francisco, I could buy from anywhere in the world because they would all be secondhand. So my explorer is usually parked in like right now he's in Cleveland waiting, you know, those drops. Yeah. Um, and, so. and hopefully they just released the last 50% of Cleveland just as one hole. Dump it, just dump it and roll and see what the community does. 
You just want those properties. I, I do. I mean, <laughs> so, I mean, okay, so think about it now. My, my, where I currently live and where I grew up is not in the Cleveland release, but I've spent a lot of time throughout my life in downtown Cleveland and some of the surrounding neighborhoods with the attractions in Cleveland. So there are places that I know, places that I frequent, and it could be something cool that I can work with them, you know, as these portals open up in Upland, I can be going to their PR people and say, Hey, I own your business. You know, I own your virtual business property. Let's do something cool in the metaverse with it, you know, or here, why don't you buy your virtual property and you can launch your virtual store and, do promotions off of that. So there, there's a lot of stuff that I can travel to and, and do. And yeah, but that means, I mean, then just go buy the properties from the people secondhand. Cause like at that point, like you're talking a whole nother level, like just pay the two X then. <laughs> like if there's, if there's, if I knew the properties, like I bought the Mythbuster buster, um, warehouse in San Francisco for, um, I don't know, a couple X. And that was back way early when there was still plenty of crazy properties left. Like, but I was like, Oh, I'm a huge fan of Mythbusters. Like I've seen him at Comic-Con, like a huge, huge fan. And so if this ever took off and I think I even tweeted him, like, you know, obviously it was back when, you know, this really wasn't a big game, but like, I go, man, if this ever took off, this is a property I would want to own. So I feel like, you just pay the extra. <laughs> just go find the properties you want and pay the extra. Stop being a cheap ass. <laughs> but I just want a minute. I know where to mint. That has to be frustrating. Though. Like, I'm trying to think, like, if I genuinely, like, you know, if it ever went to Cincinnati um, or, like, when Singapore comes up, like, I love Singapore or Melbourne or like there's a couple of cities around the world that I go, I, you know, have lived there and I have loved it. And I, there's certain places like I would, I would want to own and I'll be really disappointed if I don't get them or even like um, the office building that uh, my company's headquartered in Chicago, which is on Wacker street, which is crazy. Um, it's, it's actually in one of the gaps. So it's a, a phantom property. It's, it's not there, um, which is a shame, but it's, it's interesting because I was hardcore going for it. Um, but it, it obviously didn't make the cut as far as properties that were even like made. So, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, it's just frustrating and it, you you have your plan, you put it together and it, this release was different than all the other release. I mean, Chicago was two waves, you know, we did, they did 50% here, 50% there. Manhattan was bubbles. It, uh, and then just being this, well, I mean, the Brooklyn did the waves. What did you think about the collection waves though? Like, Hey, we're going to release, you know, these collections now. And even Chicago opened up with, we're going to sell, was it Lincoln park? They they did a little stress test in Lincoln Lincoln Park or Hyde Park Lincoln Park it was Lincoln Park yeah which I thought was kind of cool like I like the idea of it like 
launching a neighborhood or like bubbles. I really liked the bubbles. Like it was super fun, like little Italy. And it was like, it was like cut in half. Like, Oh man, there's like, there's so many properties right on the other side of this bubble, but it was very obvious. Like all of the properties in this area are going to be released and that area like sold out and you could focus on that area. Um, so, I mean, I, I guarantee, I mean, they're just trying different things to see, um, you know, because there's pluses and minuses to the bubbles where, like, if you only wanted one certain bubble, once that's gone, like, you've lost interest. Where they, they do this tease thing, look, they got, you're, you're on the on the line, you're staying up to, like, 1 a.m. on a work night trying to get these, like, you'll be on the next release, too, so you can complain about it. But they've now got you active during three different launches at three different times. If they were just like, hey, we're going to be launching this downtown bubble, you'd be like, that's the only one I'm going to attend because that's the only one I want or whatever, you know, bubble it is like. So, yeah, but if you if you live or frequented an area, it would be more than just what. Well, it also depends on your UPEX situation, too, of what, what you can afford and where you can go and. But yeah, there there's about six or seven different areas that I, I'm highly interested in, and there's a handful of properties that I'll be targeting. And, and that's the downfall too is I've already had players try to hustle me. I'm like, I'm not paying for five x just because you know I'm from the Cleveland area and I know the stuff and I'm interested in that property. So, pack sand. I'll I'll just move on from there. Yeah, that's definitely a tough one. Is like. How many people do you let into your circle? I mean, obviously, probably only the ones you know aren't going to screw you. Um, or, like, once you want a property, like, obviously, people know I like the number one. So, I mean, I get DMs all the time. Hey, I got this one, and it's 11. No, I mean, it actually depends on the street. If it's, like, 11 or 111, like, four ones or whatever, like, sometimes I'll look at it depending on the street. But, like, for the most part, it's just, but then they know. They're like, oh, well, how much do you, you know, I'm like, dude, it's it's a bullshit property. I'll give you a little bit for it. Like, I'll give you essentially a finder's fee. Like, good job. You got to the database and bought it before I did, um, which is awesome, by the way. Please keep doing that. I haven't <laughs> – 90% of my ones collection now is from secondhand buying it from all the, uh, you know, UpX fan <laughs> listeners, all the UpX podcast listeners, you know, going out and fishing them out around. But uh, – yeah, I mean that's that's a risky run, but also uh, see previous statement about stop being a cheap ass. Just pay it <laughs> if it's one you want. You like this is why like I'm sitting on like five million because it's just like I'm only gonna buy properties that excite me, and I'll pay whatever I need to pay to get them um, if they're a cool property. Like so, get a couple of your Cleveland properties. Stop being cheap. We know you got that that Manhattan money. Sell some of that. I don't have a bunch of Manhattan money. I'm I Tribeca and Financial District are my main holdings there in Manhattan. Yeah. Also, TM just as an FYI, nothing that's been released will be you, nowhere that's been released will have uh, spark mining. They they have made it very very clear post Fresno that the wastelands that will be released will be designated. Uh, way ahead of time it'll be very specific and it won't be near any major city like so nothing you buy now will be considered wastelands for mining welcome to upland kansas 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Mama, they they mined spark on our trailer park house. That's all I got. I was going to say that's all you got. I'm like, yeah, I was like, that's going to go further. But. I was waiting, and it just yeah, got know, silent. And it's 4th of July. We're all Americans. Oh, I guess we're not all Americans. Well, that's awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and last 4th of July, I did get in trouble over that 4th of July weekend. I'm like, hey, babe. Oh, uh, you I'm, did, yeah. I'm going to run inside. And, I mean, and we were only doing the podcast here at that point in time for just like two and a half weeks. So. Oh, yeah. It was new. It was very new. Like, it wasn't a thing. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm going to go inside. We're all outside. The kids are playing in the <laughs> water slide and all that. And stuff's done on the grill and i'm like i'm gonna run inside and uh, i'm gonna cut a podcast it'll take me about 45 minutes and hour and a half later i came out and it, it wasn't good yeah oh and today is canadian day thank you it Canada is day. um yeah so my my uh girlfriend's actually canadian so we yes. were celebrating that uh also it's i was thinking about this like everyone celebrates their independence mostly from great britain yes like what what the hell do they celebrate (laughs) birthday like what do you guys celebrate like that has to be depressing like we're like yay fourth of july and like some of them are like what's that for be like oh when we freed ourselves from you like everyone is so excited to not be under control of great britain it's kind of funny to me it it is Uh, like all across the globe holiday in china too what it's a hundred year anniversary of what? Um, I thought my hundred years of what? Oh God. Did you just make me say something horrible? <laughs> Long, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Hey, well, cause like, uh, I shouldn't think like Singapore's, uh, Oh my God. You think Americans are patriotic? First of all, Singapore is absolutely amazing. If you ever get a chance, please go visit it. It's an amazing country. Um, So for their Independence Day, uh, they actually practice for an entire month leading up to their actual Independence Day, full parade, full fireworks every Friday leading up to their Independence Day. It is insane. They are amazing. Also, they host the only nighttime uh, Formula One race and true story it's never rained on the Formula One day in like the 10 years that they've had it which is crazy because if you know anything about Singapore it's actually a rainforest like the climate is rainforest it rains six out of seven days of the week do you want to know why the F1's never been rained out because they seed the clouds this is a true story I didn't believe it they control the weather the week before the F1 race, they actually seed the clouds, and it will monsoon pour for three days leading up to the race, but it will not rain on the race day. Unbelievable. Singapore is amazing. It's all Singaporeans, I love you, um, and I miss you every day. I, I mean, really there, you saying every Friday leading up to their Independence Day, it just kind of sounds like New Orleans leading up to Fat Tuesday. Probably, except New Orleans smells horrible that's a fact like i got off there was a conference there and i'll never forget it just strikes you you land there and you're like what is this smell (laughs) budusi 
Like, holy crap. Well, I feel bad. Budusi plus no. puke. Yeah, and I'm shit not. And urine. Yeah. It's just juices, human juices. The human, human juice soup. juices. The smell of New Orleans, human juices. Um, not to say that if you don't live there, you're not a nice person, but I'm just saying. Well, we'll go. If you're from New Orleans, do yourself a favor. Take a weekend trip up to Boulder, Colorado, anywhere in Colorado. Get off the plane so that way you know what fresh, clean air smells like. No, that Holy just smells crap. like a bunch of weed. No, well, maybe now. I guess I haven't been there since it, they legalized weed. But, man, you know, 10 years ago, man, Boulder, Colorado, that was the cleanest air I'd ever smelled. I always wanted to go back. It just felt so fresh there. Yeah. We got off on a lot of side tangents there. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But it, it is kind of funny. About a year later, we are talking about collections, still collections, still, and we recorded a special episode to collections part one. Maybe just for uh, shits and giggles, we call this collections part two. Oh, except we don't really talk about collections. <laughs> nah, how nah. many? Oh, oh, pop quiz. How many? How many collections are there right now? Ooh. When I quit collecting, I quit counting. I know. Right? <laughs> what number did you stop at? I'm still in like the 40s or 50s. Oh, really? That low? Yeah. I was. I feel like I was trying to break three. I was trying to break 100 just to have. Let me see. I don't even know if I did. Mendix was helping me out. Mendix is a good guy. We were doing yeah. some. We were doing some good old collection swaps. I'm try- I need to get. I need to get my act together. I want to get on the fan server. Um, uh, a collections swap channel specifically to help people collection swap. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't find anything necessarily wrong with it. I think teach their own. Um, oh, oh, wait, wait, time, it. time out, time out, time out, time out. I mean, months ago you were so butthurt when Stir started handing out the uh, painted ladies like it was nothing, and now, now collection swaps happen like wiping your ass, and now you're like, oh yeah. Collection swaps I'm not are saying cool. all collections. Like I don't trade. I don't trade any of my uh, ultra rare or rare SF properties unless it's for like a, a really something pretty spectacular. That I feel like I can't get somewhere else. So like I, I've always been open to collection swapping. It's just yeah, painted ladies. Well, first of all, you know there was a pact. It's like. It's like the guys who shook. Uh, what's it? You know, the guys who shook hands with Frank right. Sinatra. If you're telling it, us a circle jerk story with a Twinkie, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> no, it's just like there was. You know, it's it was an exclusive club, and you know that's fine. Sturs is a great guy, you know, and I feel like most of the people that got it, you know, deserve to jump up. But it's just like it's one of those things. Like okay, like let's make some exclusivity of it. But like the new stuff, like it doesn't really make a difference. Like you might as well just swap it out. Now, granted, if you own one of those ultra rare collections, like do with it as you want, charge what you want, you know, trade with who you want. But yeah, for the most part, I feel like, yeah, trade your properties, get your chips. It's a good way to network as well. Um, and get to just like learn other players and build that network of trust. Um, and it, you know, it's built over time. Like I trust Mendix now. 
you know, we did a lot of stuff. He was, <laughs> I blew him off for like a month, but he, he kept, he was very persistent. I wasn't blowing him off intentionally. I just like, he just in my, oh man, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it just kept getting kicked down the road. And then he eventually was like, I'm just going to just offer you things. And then if you just accept them, then it'll work. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, anyway, yeah. but collection swapping, eh? why not? What else are you going to do? <laughs> Treasure hunt? Well, what else you can do is, is getting close to the fantasy football season. So if you are interested in joining the Upland Fantasy Football League, uh, drop me a DM in Discord. Drop Too Stupid to Win a DM in Discord if you want to participate in the league. Um, it, it was Didn't Choino win that last year? Yeah. It was a big-ass pod, too. Yeah. Everybody, it was like... Everybody staked some wax, and it was a good time. Yeah, I was like, well, I think we all, was it 200 wax a piece? It might have been. It, it ended it up being about $20, whatever wax was worth, then it was about $20 buy-in. Yeah, but like, yeah, trophy, it was super cool. I liked it a lot. Plus, it was fun to talk and shit talk. Like, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but it was fun. I was kicking ass at the beginning. I don't know what happened. My auto drafter was on point that day. Yeah, auto draft works for about the first five weeks, and you actually got to manage your team. Yeah, I was really surprised how true that statement is. We'll see if it's true this year, because spoiler alert, that's my exact same plan. <laughs> yeah, you just got to make it past five weeks, and then anybody destroys TML in fantasy football. He, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't even know what doubtful means. He thinks his players died. Yeah, well, when they get a big X room and you can't select them, I just assume the concussions caught up with them, and now they're a potato somewhere. So, uh, True Blue Ninja, we're not talking about FanDuel or DraftKings. We're just talking about playing fantasy football on uh, Yahoo or one of the other platforms, depending on how many people we have. And then uh, we all back an NFT on uh, on Atomic Hub, and then we pay out the first, second, third. So it's a good time. Yeah. Ooh. TM says, let's bet a property. Like, I mean, you can't really threaten me because, I mean, yeah. first of all, if you beat me, you beat the auto drafter. Like, that's all you did. Like, I don't, like, right. I don't care or know anything about the sport, and I'm not going to claim to know anything about it. But that's like saying, hey, you beat up the toughest kid in kindergarten when you're in the fifth grade. Yeah, like I stopped the shit out of that kindergarten bully. You're like, dude, <laughs> you're 16 years old. Yeah, you didn't stand a chance. Like, shit. Uh, well, definitely fantasy football. You can be better than TM. Oh yeah, you, you can be it. better. You 100%. can be better at me than a lot of things. Like, man, how cr- I'm not allowed to get too crazy. Let's say something after on the after show. All There's right. a couple things I'm sure you're better at me then. But but not buzzer beating, so that you're still the great champion. No, champion. There. So champion. But let, let's get to the after show. <laughs> and nobody is leaving us reviews on Apple Podcast. I looked and what it's, the still, hell? it's still the same reviews. Come on, guys, get creative. Leave us a review. Make sure you're subscribing, liking, sharing the podcast. Follow us on I Twitter. I tell you what. I, I tell you what. I'm going to put a bounty on it. I'll put I'll put a 20,000 UpEx bounty on the best review left uh, between now and our next show. I like it. 
and just leave throw your a G uh, at it. You're gonna throw what a thousand? Up, you're gonna throw a thousand <laughs> up X? Oh, for fantasy football, no one, no one wants to play with you. That's too high stakes. Get out of here, TM. No, we'll we'll talk after show. I got I got a couple of high stakes things that I like that we might partner on a team or two. So anyway, Jeez. Oh. <laughs> anyway, a slight problem. Leave a review. Win twenty thousand. I will bribe the hell out of you. Like, leave us some damn reviews so we can read them. I like hearing from the fans. Yes, and uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Opex Podcast. And until and make sure you check out. T. Davis and B. Dan coming to you early next week. Everybody in America, have a happy 4th of July Independence Day where we celebrate uh, getting away from uh, Great Britain. And I'm not even going to take that down the other tangent. So until then, everybody be (laughs) safe and don't blow your hands off with fireworks. And we'll uh, talk with you next week. It's the Opix Podcast, baby. Glad you tuned in. Got your host, thank me later, and you're stupid to win. Might become an obsession as soon as you begin. Start out king of the street, then lock it iconic in. Welcome to Offland. Grab your Opix, man. On your way in the door, hit you with four grand. Get to buying and gripping, then to selling and flipping over to moving.